0: The writer of that hymn, our dear brother Lee, not only had the spiritual understanding of the resurrected Christ and the resurrection life of Christ, but had a very deep and rich experience over many decades. And this is part of the heritage that we are blessed to receive uh, ministry material and hymns that are not merely doctrinal, theological in nature, but actually testify and impart the reality that is being communicated there. So Paul said in Romans 8, in all these things we more than conquer through him who loved us. We know that he was martyred. He physically was put to death for his faith in Christ Jesus. But when he wrote 1 Corinthians 15, In the face of death, he could declare, Death, where is your victory? That God has given us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the indwelling, resurrected Christ in me as a member and in all of us as the body It was the anointing and the leading of this living one that this weekend, the three conference meetings, would take as the subject, knowing and experiencing the resurrection life of Christ. So knowing begins with reading the Bible, To know what the New Testament is saying. Then to have light shine on the word and on us as we are reading. Then the spirit of reality operates in us to make those points of truth real to us. They're not simply A record of what happened 2,000 years ago. It's not simply an account, theologically speaking, of Christ's person and work. This is becoming a personal, experiential reality to all of us. And no matter where we are in our learning and in our experiencing, The goal is certain. We will all arrive in the absolute reality of Christ's resurrection because we will ultimately become the bride, the wife of the Lamb, the redeeming Christ. And he in his person is resurrection. And his counterpart must and will match him in every way. So a resurrected husband, a husband in resurrection, cannot marry a natural counterpart. So the Lord gave himself up for her, At great cost, we know from Ephesians 5, a chapter that speaks of the counterpart of Christ. Christ gave himself up for her in order to redeem her, regenerate her, and then as the Spirit to enter into her and gradually lead her into the resurrection life that he himself is. We learn very much concerning this from the writings of our brother, the Apostle Paul. We all know that he did not meet Jesus the Nazarene while the Lord was living on the earth, Peter and the other apostles did. But Paul, his first confrontation with the Lord was a direct contact with the resurrected, ascended, glorified Christ. He met him personally. And he also met him through members of the body of Christ. He actually met the corporate Christ. When he asked the Lord, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. And prior to that, the Lord had asked him, Why are you persecuting me? Yes, I am a person in my own right. But I now live in the members of my body. And whatever you do to them, you do to me. So Paul's journey as a believer in Christ Jesus began with that vision on the way to Damascus. And he joined the other apostles to be a witness of the resurrected Christ. And he received direct revelation from God concerning Christ's resurrection. For instance, in Romans chapter 8, verse 4, he said, God raised Christ from the dead By His glory. But our emphasis, which will reach its climax this morning, is on what the resurrection life of Christ should mean to each one of us personally. I emphasize what I've been saying in the first two messages. There are maybe five or six hundred of us here, many others hearing the word through live streaming. So apparently, and actually, I'm, directing, I'm speaking to several hundred saints, but actually I'm only speaking to one saint, and that's you. Because the emphasis this weekend is on our personal knowing and our personal experiencing Christ in his resurrection. Of course, our experience is for the church as the body of Christ. It's for the new man and the bride, the kingdom, of course. But there cannot be a corporate reality in the churches if there is no personal reality in the lives and experiences of the saints. And so we're not trying to make something individualistic or isolated, simply personal. And throughout this year, especially, the indwelling spirit has impressed me again and again. With God, especially in his economy, there is nothing religious, everything is personal. The center of God's economy is not a thing, it's not an idea. It is a person. And our relationship with this person, the all-inclusive, extensive Christ, is not merely one of believing certain truths. It is a matter of being one with him, loving him, experiencing fellowship with him, receiving shepherding care from him, Allowing him to make his home in our heart. Everything is personal. And we need to learn, and the Lord will enable us to learn, that every aspect of our life with the Lord should also be personal. We thank the Lord that Brother Lee maybe 30 years ago, led us to have a publication called The Holy Word for Morning Revival. This is a great blessing and a provision for the entire recovery. But we may use this material in a routine way. Or we may learn to use this material in a personal way, to touch the person imparted to us through the verses we pray over. You come to know the person that the ministry is supplying us with. And so we are now, all of us in a big family, God is our father. We call him our father because he is our father. We are called children of God because we have been born of God. But in this very large family at the present, we're all in different stages. Just like in an extended human family. I know one where there's a great-grandpa then grandpa, then dad, and then the great-grandchildren. And there's no competition. There's no rivalry. No one there feels out of place, like, oh, I'm too young or I'm too old. This is real. We call each other or refer to each other as brother and sister not because we don't remember each other's names. <laughs> I admit sometimes happens. I've done that. I forget who you are, so but yet apart from that, I am your brother. You are my sisters and brother. This is real. And so in the first message we considered Understanding the resurrection life and drinking of the water of life in resurrection. So we need to have some grasp of what we're talking about when we speak of resurrection life. And a very uh, powerful verse regarding this is Acts chapter 2 verse 24 Peter is preaching, declaring the ones, you through evil men crucified the Lord Jesus, whom God raised from the dead, because it was impossible for the pangs of death to hold him. This needs to dawn on us as dreadful, as frightening, as unavoidable death is. It cannot defeat the resurrected Christ. This is our personal and corporate testimony. It's impossible for death to hold him. And he didn't have to struggle and wrestle to try desperately to get out of that realm. Nothing touched him. He could just walk out, and according to Revelation 1, 17 and 18, perhaps say, oh, by the way, defeated devil, as I walk out of here, in resurrection, I'm taking the keys of death and Hades. Now, even this is under my authority. And while I was here, according to 1 Peter 3.18, I announced my victory over these evil spirits that followed you and that God condemned to imprisonment down here. I'm letting you know I conquered your entire kingdom from the leader on down. And now I'm leaving here because when I'm resurrected, I'm going to bring forth a corporate person. One new man, a new creation in the power of my resurrection. Resurrection life is a life That enters into death, it's not afraid of it, passes through death, then emerges from death in victory, never to be touched by it again. And this life, you use the expression the resurrection life of Christ, the resurrection. Life and Christ are all the same. They're one person. But there is some distinction. We're contacting the person, the all-inclusive Christ. Then we come to know him as resurrection. And then we come to experience him as our life. Paul said, Christ our life. But actually, it's just one all-inclusive person who is resurrection and life. Then in the second part of the first message, we referred to Exodus chapter 17, verse 6, where there was this very unusual, unique rock Signifying Christ. And the people were thirsty and were complaining because they're thirsty. God instructed Moses, take the rod. Hit the rock. He did so. The rock was split open. And water flowed out. All that signifies Christ. The rod represents the law of God. That Christ died to fulfill the requirements of the law. So he was smitten by that. But then his being was opened up. As indicated by what happened in John 19.34. When his side was pierced. Out of his side came blood and water. So the water that flowed out of the rock is water that flowed out of the crucified and resurrected Christ. Therefore, this water is very special. It's resurrection water. It's the water of resurrection life. And we know from 1 Corinthians, verses 12 and 13, that the church is the corporate Christ. And the next verse says that in one spirit we were all baptized into one body and were all made to drink of one spirit. And many of us in the last couple of days are receiving a fresh impression and motivation concerning drinking the spirit. We've been all made to drink of one spirit. And this spirit is the resurrected Christ. This spirit is the water of life in resurrection. So any time We have the sense of any aspect of death harassing us, attacking us, weakening us, discouraging us. There's something very simple we can do. And that is turn our heart to the Lord. And as God told Moses, just speak to the rock. Yes, the most, you could say, vital way is to call on the Lord, realizing who he is and what he is. But there are times when we should simply speak to the rock, just to tell him, Lord, I'm I'm just so discouraged. Lord, I'm speaking to you. I'm fellowshipping with you, person to person. You're speaking to the rock. Now the river flows and you're drinking and then something happens to the discouragement, to the despair. Because resurrection water is starting to saturate your being. And Friday night, and again yesterday, I mentioned a simple human illustration. My primary care physician, uh, he gave me a very simple and direct message within this year. He said, drink eight glasses of water every day. And he knew my whole history. He knew my situation. This was his word. And this time, I actually obeyed him. And I, I have a wonderful helper, so I get help. And then I began to understand a little the effects of dehydration. And several weeks ago, there's a dear brother I knew, and he was on the campus. He just, he's in his 70s, he, he, he just collapsed. He was on the ground. And I went there with others to take care of him. He was brought immediately to the hospital. The diagnosis was dehydration. This is the effect. Then I realized there's such a thing as spiritual dehydration which is not exactly the same as thirst you may be thirsty then you really know you need water but you may be dehydrated before you ever have a sense of thirst so I'm not waiting till I feel thirsty I'm drinking my eight glasses I got three down already I got five more today (laughs) And I've got to keep track of this and I can't explain it but my body is responding to this and so may the Lord deliver all of us from any kind of spiritual dehydration you can be in the shower and us men who have to shave every day wasting that time Inwardly, we can be calling or speaking. What a way to begin the day drinking resurrection water. (laughs) And then last night, we went on to consider being in resurrection for the reality of the body of Christ. So our personal experience of resurrection life We experience as members of the body, for the body, with the body, and through the body. Often, the flow that's coming to us is coming through other members. It's coming through the body. At other times, what we are experiencing is flowing from us through the body. We're experiencing this together and we will be drinking eternally. The more we grow in life, the more we experience Christ, the more we will come to realize we cannot live apart from him. The principle of the tree of life is dependence. So the more we are growing, the more we realize we're absolutely dependent on the bread of life, on the spirit of life, on the water of life. And that river will be flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb eternally. And we will be drinking forever and enjoying the tree of life forever. Because although we will be the mature counterpart first the bride then the wife of the lamb only he has the Godhead only he is the source and we will never have anything that we would say look we've been here 18 billion years we did this. We've done that. We say, we never have the sense. It's always fresh. It's always new. That's one reason why. And I just personally enjoy just kind of poking at these unwanted email advertisements that come. They're trying to get me to buy anti-aging stuff. First of all, I don't believe it's going to work. The second thing is, I'm not in an anti-aging mode. I just want to be a normal human. But maybe I, should, maybe I should respond to the next thing and say, listen to me. I am what's considered an elderly man. I want to tell you, I am 50 times fresher and newer than when I was 20 years old. Don't try to sell me this stuff. I drink resurrection water. And I'm not trying to preserve this old body. I'm looking forward to getting a brand new one. And that's in the future. Until then, I don't need what you're trying to sell on me I'm not going to do something artificial to try to pretend I'm not the age that I am. The best is ahead. I love the youth very much. I don't want to do anything that would deprive them of their youthfulness. You just be young and have the characteristics of a young person until you're not young. But... I don't envy you. I don't want to look back and say, I wish I was 35 again. To tell you the truth, what happened between 35 and now, I don't want to go through that again. (laughs) Right? The best is ahead. And so last night, the emphasis was on our natural life, our natural strength, and our natural ability needing to be touched and terminated by the cross and replaced by resurrected ability, resurrection life. God will never throw away what he created. He created each one of you specifically so that he could be expressed in Christ through you in a way that no other person in the whole universe can do. Because of this, I remind the trainees from time to time, you want to share something after a message and you're in line and someone else speaks the point you wanted to speak and you feel discouraged, I tell them, you may speak the same point, but only you have the portion of grace. Only you have a measure of Christ that no one else has. So just speak the point from your spirit, conveying grace and Christ that are with you, And so the Lord is not going to discard the way he made you. If you are a genius, then the Lord will make you a resurrected genius who is no longer proud, self-sufficient, self-confident, is no longer using intelligence for self-glory. Now the Spirit can use All your faculties to manifest Christ. Now this morning, we come to attaining to the out-resurrection. And I admit that's an unusual utterance in English, out-resurrection. But it's an exact translation of the Greek. In the recovery version... Is quite strict in this matter. We're not trying to have some flowery literary translation. We want an accurate one. But so let's spend a little time to understand what we mean by the out resurrection. As opposed to just resurrection. So let's begin with comparing two resurrections in the New Testament. The first is Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary. He was very ill. The Lord did not come on the scene to heal him. The Lord waited because he's living out the Father. And the Father's will in this instance, was not to be the God of prevention, but to be the God of resurrection. That's why he revealed to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. So eventually, finally, all the opinions stopped. Pretty hard for Martha. Even when we were at the tomb, He's about to resurrect the brother. She can't keep quiet. She has to say, Lord, he's been there four days. And he stinks. But eventually, we see in the next chapter, Martha entered into resurrection and became a very useful sister. But the Lord called Lazarus to come forth and he was resurrected, restored to human life. But eventually he died again. Because this was simply a restoration of a dead person to the same kind of human living that he had before he died. When, the Lord, when God became a man in Christ Jesus, the humanity he put on was that God created humanity in the old creation. He was the only begotten Son of God. The fullness of the Godhead was dwelling in him bodily. But his body and his humanity was not yet divine. But he needed to become a man in the old creation in order to redeem us. The blood of Jesus, God's son, cleanses us from every sin. But it has to be the blood of Jesus, the man. But Jesus is the son of God. So the efficacy of the blood of Jesus is eternal. It's unlimited. But when he was resurrected, something marvelous happened. It was not like Lazarus' resurrection. He just restored to life with the exact same appearance That he had before he died. No. In his humanity, through the Spirit of Holiness, in resurrection, he was designated the Son of God. To be brief, this means in his resurrection, his humanity was brought out of the old creation into God. He's called the firstborn from among the dead because he was the first person who resurrected in this way to be fully out of the old creation and to have his entire tripartite being in God as a new creation he was resurrected out of something and resurrected into someone. So regarding Christ himself, the out-resurrection was the resurrection of the Son of Man that caused his humanity to be divinized And made him the son of God. Not only in his deity. But also in his humanity. And brought his entire being. Into God. Into resurrection. Into a new creation. So Paul learned this. He learned this. So now I want to read. Five verses from Colossians 3. Philippians 3. So this is somewhat fresh before us. Verses 10 through 14. To know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. If perhaps. Perhaps. I may attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained or am already perfected, but I pursue if even I may lay hold of that for which also I also have been laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, brothers, I do not account of myself to have laid hold, but one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and stretching forward to the things which are before, I pursue toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ Jesus has called me upward. Then I want to add the first part of verse 15. Let us, therefore, as many as are full grown, have this mind. So in these verses, Paul shows us his personal goal. When he is pursuing Christ, he is pursuing the Christ who is not only resurrection, he is pursuing the Christ who is the out-resurrection. The Christ who was resurrected out of the old creation and brought fully into God so that everything is new and permeated with resurrection life. So Paul first said, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Then he realized, based on knowing the power of Christ's resurrection, he could enter into the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. It's not the other way around. And be conformed to his death. But in verse 11, we see the goal. If perhaps I may attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. He says, if perhaps, because he's not confident in himself. He makes very clear. He surely, next to John, who's still alive, They are the two most mature believers on the earth. He's not a spiritual child. He's nearing the end of his course. But he said, I haven't attained. I haven't arrived. But I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to press on. I am pursuing. I'm not going to be passively sitting here in this prison. I am pursuing I'm pursuing toward the goal for the prize to which God in Christ called me upward. He laid hold of me. Now, I want to lay hold of him. But I don't claim that I've already laid hold. He's in the process. So what, he, what is he aiming for when he speaks of out resurrection? it's really one thing in two aspects or two aspects of one thing. Objectively, he wants to attain to the out-resurrection. In this way, he knew, based on the Lord's word, actually everyone who ever died will be resurrected. The unbelievers will be resurrected after the age of the kingdom. And they will appear before the great white throne and be judged regarding their eternal destiny. All the believers in Christ will be resurrected when Christ returns all the believers. If someone like a huge, we're in a high school here, let's say in May there's a graduation, there are 500 students graduating, but maybe 50 have a special kind of graduation with honors, with honors. And that may be designated. This one is graduating with honors. I saw this happen at my daughter's graduation from what Texans called the university. She asked someone in Austin, what university is here? They would say the. Because in, in, in Texas, thought, that means the University of Texas. And so when they called the name, they mentioned with honors. Well, the the overcoming believers who ended their journey and went to be with the Lord in victory as conquerors, they will be in paradise with all the other believers based on salvation. But when all are resurrected, only the overcomers will be resurrected into the kingdom during the millennium. That will be the the resurrection of the overcomers. And Paul knew he would die, he would be martyred. But his aspiration was, when I'm resurrected, I want to be in this resurrection. So, this is the objective side. But you can tell by the context here, he is pursuing something now. He has been laid hold by the Lord. He wants to lay hold of the Lord. He is forgetting what's behind, he's stretching forward to what's ahead. So there's a second meaning to this expression out-resurrection. And the meaning is this. Paul realized, if I am to attain to the out-resurrection when my body is resurrected, I need to attain to the out-resurrection in my experience now. I need to experience the resurrection life of Christ in a particular way now. And what is that way? That is the way in which a believer is clear about the goal. And they also understand that when they were born of God, born from above, born of the Spirit. Their regeneration was an act of resurrection. Our spirit was dead in the sense of being comatose. It was dead. It was deadened by sin. When the life-giving Spirit entered into us, a resurrection took place. Because the resurrection life mingled with our human spirit. And Paul was so clear about this that he said in Romans 8.10. Our spirit is life because of righteousness. Sadly, what happens to tens of millions of believers in their whole life is there is no spiritual advance or growth in life beyond the day they were regenerated. And then they are deceived. Not that anyone is willfully deceiving them because it's the blind leading the blind. The deceived theologians and pastors have a good intention but they're deceiving the congregation, saying, look, when you pass away, when you die, that solves all problems. Because you'll be in heaven. You'll be in heaven. Maybe we'll have different statuses in heaven. They invented this, maybe from Dante's Paradiso. Instead of, and so what? This kills the motivation." But if you hear the real truth along three lines, things will be different. First is, death does not solve any problems. The foolish virgins who failed to get oil in their vessel died. The prudent virgins paid the price to get oil in their vessel They died. They were all resurrected in the same condition they were in when they died. And now the foolish ones are shocked. I I have to get oil in my vessel. The prudent ones are in the wedding feast. The other ones are told, you've got to pay the price yourself. You had opportunity in your lifetime. You didn't do it. And you believed that death will solve the problem. Everything will be wonderful. No. You're still untransformed. And then. There is the misconception. That. The believers. Will just be in heaven. And so you just wait here. And so, this, the effect of this inaccurate teaching has a killing result. Who has this kind of spirit that we see in Philippians 3.10? I want to know him, the power of his resurrection. I want to attain to the out-resurrection. I'm pursuing. I want to lay hold. I'm forgetting the things that are behind I'm sorry to say, I'm speaking in principle, that there are dear saints, especially among those that have been here for 30 or 40 years, they are still held back by memories of something that happened to them decades ago. I know at least three instances of the wives of elders we stopped being in meeting in the church life twenty to thirty years ago. Because something happened. They're just wasting years, decades, instead of receiving mercy to forget everything behind, everything, positive or negative. I'm not living in the past. I have a hope for the future. But the future depends on now. The Lord gave me another day. I don't know if I'll have one tomorrow. I have another day. Lord, this day I will pursue you. This day I will stretch forward. And so what Paul learned was, He needed to experience inwardly Christ as the out-resurrection so that gradually all of the inward parts of his being would be brought into this resurrection. So, the resurrection life of Christ would then gradually... Spread into every part of his soul. His brilliant mind, his strong will, his very active emotions. Otherwise, how could he change from a person breathing out murder, wanting to kill us, voting for the death penalty? And then the same person could write the second Corinthians. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. What could could change a man's emotions like this? So here was a brother who didn't barricade his emotion from the Lord's spirit. He didn't suppress them all like so many men, and I mean males, do to guard themselves. He opened his whole being to the Christ who is resurrection, the Christ who is the out-resurrection. And he wanted this resurrection life to reach every part of his being. He knew, as he told us in Romans, our body is a body of sin And it's a body of death. In Romans 8.11, he called it our mortal body. He knew that in this life, our physical body cannot be in resurrection. But in Romans 8.11, he said, if the spirit of the one who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal body through the spirit that dwells in you. Right? And as I get older, I treasure this verse. This is a mortal body. I want to take care of my health and exercise for the sake of serving the Lord and the sake of the saints. Not to try to postpone something. And it's real. You let the spirit make home in you. The one who raised Christ Jesus from the dead gives life to your mortal body. We don't know how Paul was martyred. But I have no doubt that just as the Lord told Peter, you will glorify God in the way you die. I have no doubt that Paul was fully in the out-resurrection. His body was fully animated. And he realized, he just he viewed himself as, I'm a drink offering. This is the climax of my life. I'll just pour out my being. And so I'm taking all of this time. We can read through the outline. But I want to read it with this somewhat clear to attain to the out-resurrection, on the one hand, means, however we finish our life, passing away or being raptured, we have finished our course, and everything depends on how we end. How we end. And I look to the Lord for mercy, to have a victorious, peaceful glorious end. So that we just have the sense, as Paul did at the end of his life, the crown of righteousness is laid up for me. It's only at the end, you can be sure. But this kind of assurance at the end is possible only if we are experiencing the process of the out-resurrection day by day in the midst of our human situation, married life, family life, working life, church life, Christian life. While so many things are going on in the physical realm where we need to fulfill all our responsibilities, something inwardly is taking place all the time. And this is what is in my heart for me personally but even much more for you. You would just see this. And every day you would start in a very simple way. When you are alert, when your mind is clear enough, you have enough energy to get out of bed, you can turn your heart to the Lord, you exercise your spirit to say, Lord, I love you. I give you this day. I consecrate this day to you. I consecrate myself to you today. Lord, continue your central work. Make your home in me today. Grow in me today. Increase in me today. Saturate me, Lord, with resurrection life today. Save me in life today. Sanctify me. Renew me. Transform me. Bring me more into resurrection. I'm not talking about formal prayers. For some reason, some of the most vital prayers come out when I'm in the shower. I don't know why. Maybe I should spend more time there. I don't know. And you you just talk to him. Yes, we need a designated time with him. No doubt. But you don't have to wait. You're awake. He's alive. You're alive. Converse with him. And then just then just go about the day normally. And I'll tell you this more and more, this is what will happen. You now put your head on your pillow. And maybe you go to sleep instantly, but even if you're a quick dozer. Like that. Your last thought is. Lord. There's more God in me. Right now. Than when I got up this morning. But there have been other. Times I had to end the day like this. With repentance. Lord I'm sorry. This day. Was nothing. I'm sorry Lord. Have mercy on me. But I'm so glad our life is measured out in 24 hours. We get a new start. We can have morning revival. (laughs) So let me read through this. And my watch says 11:04. And my part will be done by 11:30, at the latest, 11:35, because the remainder of the message. Needs to be spoken by many of you. I mean this. Your portion is needed. A genuine confirmation is needed. And then we'll have the sense. The body is speaking this. Okay, Roman 1. The result of being conformed to Christ's death. Is that we may attain to the out resurrection. From the dead. With the Lord Jesus. The sequence is. He died. And was resurrected. With us. This is not the sequence. The sequence is. We experience the power of Christ's resurrection. This is the only way. We can be willing. To to be conformed to the mold of Christ's death. You try to do that on your own. You you lay yourself down in the mold and then you just spring right up. Something happens, you just spring up. So it's the resurrection that enables us to go to the cross. Song of Songs, chapter 2. The Lord is coming, leaping and skipping on mountains full of resurrection life speaking to his lover, come with me. The winter's over. The birds are singing. Eventually she comes and then he sees her in the cleft of the rock. This is the cross. How did she get there? Not by some religious self-effort. By the power of resurrection. This is the only way we can experience the cross, then we are conformed to His death, and that being, that issues in the out resurrection. Then the power of resurrection enables us to experience His cross. We're conformed to His death. More resurrection. Resurrection, death, resurrection. That's the cycle. And so the issue of that is the out-resurrection. Two, to attain to the out-resurrection is to arrive at the out-resurrection. So the attaining is something that's happening now experientially. When we arrive at the out-resurrection, that means now I know inwardly I will not have a common graduation. I'll have a common, no, and not a common resurrection. I can end my course with the realization, like Paul. I'll rest in the out resurrection. I say again if the Lord's arrangement for us is not to live until the first fruits are raptured if his arrangement is otherwise, then we want to end our course like Paul did with this realization. Now I know all the time that I devoted to it, attaining to the out-resurrection. Now now at this point, only at the end, it's so when you finish writing the ma- running the marathon, you know that you completed it. You don't say it halfway through. Then he could say, "I fought the good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the course. Therefore, a crown of righteousness is laid up for me, not only for me, but to all those who love His appearing." It's when a beloved sister or brother ends this way that we within, on the one level. We suffer the loss. We grieve. On another level, we're comforted. This one finished her course. So we leave the future to the Lord. He gives us one day at a time. And I have an assurance about this regarding everyone here in this auditorium and anyone listening It's not too late for any of us. And it's not too soon to start. The Lord doesn't dangle a carrot in front of us, right? Knowing that it'll motivate us, but we'll never get it. That's not our God. Even if the enemy hits you later today and said, yeah, too late for you. You wasted so much time. Don't agree with him. Tell him to shut up. Encounter him by the blood of the lamb. Then maybe quote a verse from Joel. I will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Okay, you accuse me about what I did. I settled that before God. I don't have to settle it with you. Now you watch what the God of resurrection will do. How he can restore all these years, I don't know. But I assure you, when the Lord operates in your life as a sevenfold intensified spirit, a lot can happen in a week, in a month, in a year. Let's consider what might happen if, by the Lord's arrangement and His will, I can be with you again a year from now. And so, in the next approximately four hundred days, what would happen if each one in each one of these four hundred days we contact the Lord and prayed and opened to Him and allowed Him to operate in us? To bring us into the out resurrection. I believe a year from now. We would all have the sense. Whoa. What the Lord did. And saints of all ages. With all kinds of backgrounds. Will just encourage one another. I believe. In the God of resurrection. I do not believe in my failures. I believe in the blood of Jesus. I do not believe in my weaknesses. I believe in the God of resurrection. Three, the out-resurrection is the outstanding resurrection. The extra resurrection, which will be a prize to the overcoming saints. All believers who are dead in Christ will participate in the resurrection from the dead. At the Lord's coming back. And on another level. This is a comfort to us. That those whom we love. For the time being. We're separated from them. But we will be. Together. Forever. Even to see beyond. For a moment. Beyond the kingdom reward. Reward. We're going to be, like Paul said, forever. We'll be together in the Lord. So we're not minimizing the truth of the general resurrection, but we're focusing on the out resurrection. B, the Lord's overcomers will enjoy an extra, outstanding portion of that resurrection a resurrection in which they will receive the reward of the kingdom. This is what the Apostle Paul sought after. He pursued. And starting with the Memorial Day weekend conference on Philippians, and prior to that, and receiving the burning burden concerning it, I had to consider before the Lord Lord, I can say I've been seeking you for decades. But Lord, am I really pursuing you? Lord, have mercy. I need to pursue you. You have an object there in your whole energy. So we can't just make up our mind, from now on I will pursue the Lord. I consecrate to pursue the Lord. That's you making a promise to do something you won't be able to do by the end of this week. You say, Lord, do in me what you did in Paul. Give me and all the saints a pursuing spirit, a pursuing heart. Deliver me from all kinds of passivity, lethargy, lukewarmness. I want to pursue In order to pursue, I want to forget. Maybe some of us need to spend time with the Lord and ask him, Lord, show me what I need to forget. Just renew my mind. flush out the things that the enemy uses to haunt me. To separate me from others. You're a God who forgives and forgets. If I've been hurt, heal me. Then grant me the grace to forgive and forget. I will not be governed by the past. There's a bright future. I'm pressing forward to this. See, the out-resurrection should be the goal and destination of our Christian life. So it's the goal during our lifetime. It's not just a faraway goal. It's the goal in your lifetime. Because I say, what's important is how we end. So I just take a little time to share a, a parable that I invented for the trainees. <clears throat> and it has a professional football background. It's the parable of the two-minute drill. But in professional football, I, I don't watch anymore, but I, th- I think they still have this rule. At the end of the first half, the whistle blows, there's two minutes. And then especially at the end, as you're nearing the end of the fourth quarter, there's a two-minute drill. The two-minute. And the quarterback and all the athletes are trained to carry out certain plays during this two minutes. And an expert of this was John Elway with the Denver Broncos. And they were playing a home game. It was at the, toward the end of the fourth quarter. They were 12 points behind their opponent. So even the most loyal fans were starting to get out of the stadium, to get ahead of the crowd. But they forgot. This is John Elway, who is an expert at the two-minute drill. And so, they went into action. And they know what to do. You send your receivers out, not too far, close to the sideline, throw a pass, they catch, step out of bounds, stop the clock. You move ahead. Another one. Send out your receivers. Not in the midfield. And they'll be tackled and the clock still goes by the sideline. So in about 40 seconds, they're down in front of the goal and they score. They convert. Now they're five points behind. But now they have to kick to the other team. If the other team gets the ball, they'll just run the clock out. But there's something called the on kick under certain circumstances. And so both teams put on what they call the hands team, those that are good for grabbing the football. And so you kick it a certain way. If it goes to a certain distance, it's anybody's ball. So they did it, and the Broncos recovered the football on the onside kick. kick. Then here comes Elway again. And before the clock runs out, they score, and they win by one point. Okay, they score, or maybe two points. Okay. And the reason I do that is not just to give you a little moment of lightness <laughs> from a rather, you know, weighty word, but, but to make this point. It's how we end. And I was reminded of this in my contact with the Lord this morning. And the simple prayer was there. Lord, just let me have the proper end. I'm still hoping it'll be this way, right? And I mention this because I'm looking to the Lord to infuse faith into you. Do not allow the enemy to bind you, to limit you. It's not too late. The one who really knows how to carry out the two-minute drill is the resurrected Christ. He knows exactly what to do. He knows where we are and what needs to happen. I have seen this in the lives of dear brothers where the final victorious move was toward the end. Our God is for us. Paul said in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, section four is important regarding our present experiences. To arrive at the out-resurrection indicates That our entire being is gradually and continually resurrected. Gradually and continually. Day by day. Week by week. Trust life. Brother uses the illustration, you can make an artificial rose in a few hours. If you want something artificial then take away that someone says this is the method, this is quick. If you want the real thing, choose the way of life. It will be gradual and continual. A, God first resurrected our dead in spirit. He proceeds to to resurrect our soul and our mortal body until our whole being, spirit, soul, and body is full fully resurrected out of our own being by his life and with his life. This is a process in life through which we must pass and a race we must run until we arrive at the out-resurrection of the prize. The race set before us, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, from Roman numeral 2, We run with endurance. That is not an American character trait. Other cultures it is not with us. We like things quick. We like things now. But we need endurance. Thankfully, the endurance is the resurrected Christ himself. And no matter what happens, the resurrected Christ as the endurance will bring us through everything and anything that happens. We may feel, understandably, humanly, this time I'm submerged. I'm buried under this. And others may wonder. And then, before too much time goes by, something emerges. In resurrection, death Cannot hold the resurrection life. So this is a process, little B in in B, big B in life, through which we must pass in a race that we must run until we arrive at the out resurrection from the dead. If we are conformed to Christ's death, every part of our being will be gradually resurrected. Now, this next statement is crucial. Thus, the Christian life is a process of resurrection. May the Lord shine in us on this one point. If only this one point penetrated us, I'd be very happy about this weekend. We got this point. My Christian life is a process of resurrection. You may be 17. You may be 87. We're all in the same process. That's what the God of resurrection is seeking to do in each one of us. One, we can reach this goal only by being conformed to the death of Christ, by living a crucified life. But remember, it's only by the power of resurrection that any of us can do this. It is by the power of Christ's resurrection that we, the lovers of Christ, determine to take the cross by denying the self. We need a determination, but we can only make it because we're empowered by resurrection. So don't be afraid that, oh, I I can't do it. My will is not that strong. It's not a matter of the strength of your will. It is our cooperating with the power of resurrection. It is by the power of resurrection that we are enabled to be one with the cross as as those staying in the cleft of the rock, in the covert of the precipice. Their Song of Songs, too. How did she get there? She's introspective, she's lying there, considering her situation, studying herself. The Lord comes. Leaping and skipping in resurrection. She doesn't respond for a while. He doesn't give up. But then here she is. And the Lord, then the Lord speaks to her. Oh, my lovely one. Let me see your countenance. Let me hear your voice. Your countenance is lovely. And your voice is sweet. So this is the Lord's assessment of you. He said, just let me look at you. Oh, your countenance is beautiful. That's your countenance is expressing your inner being. You can't fake it. And your voice manifests your spirit. It's so pleasant. This is for all of us. It's not for just Madame Guillons, these exceptional mystical types. It's for all of us ordinary believers. Two, in the death of Christ we are processed from the old creation to the new creation. Five, the out-resurrection is a resurrection out of the old creation into the new creation. To be in the out-resurrection means that everything of the old creation and to uh, we leave everything of the old creation and to be brought into God this is going to happen and at certain points the lord will indicate to you as he does in song of songs but what he calls her he's going to encourage you this is happening you're not where you were a year ago you're in another realm and i confirm this to you and the genuine fellowship in the body will confirm this to you. you are, and now you are motivated. I want to leave everything from the past behind. Everything old. I am not getting old. That's why, again, I don't need your products about anti-aging. I'm being renewed every day. Don't worry about my body. I'll get a brand new glorified transfigured body like the Lord Jesus' body. B, in the out-resurrection, there is no element of the old creation. Instead, everything is full of the divine element. Six, for Paul to live was Christ as the out-resurrection. So we put those two verses together. To me to live is Christ. Christ is the out-resurrection. For me to live is Christ as the out-resurrection. Seven. In Philippians 3.12, Paul had already obtained to the believer's common salvation by the believer's common faith. But he had not obtained the extra portion of resurrection. He, none of us had. Please don't compare yourself with someone else thinking, she has arrived, I haven't. None of us have arrived. We haven't finished the course. So it's healthy to say, I haven't arrived. I'm not going to accept the enemy's accusation. Why haven't you arrived after all this time? No, I reject that lie. I'm in the process. My granddaughter... Alisa is thirteen. Whenever I get to see her, she doesn't come lamenting, Grandpa, I'm not a woman yet, I can't drive yet, I can't vote yet. I, I'm just a failure as I'm not worthy to be your granddaughter. She would never think this way. She's thirteen. And a year from now she'll be fourteen, not forty one. And so, we should just rest in this. We're all in the process. And in this way, we can encourage one another and support one another. And those who are ahead of us, we're not competing with them. This will impart faith to us. Lord, you gained her, you can gain me. You gained Saul of Tarsus, the worst sinner. If you can gain him, you can gain any of us. And... And the Lord will measure out enough time. We have time to make it. We don't have time to waste. But we have have time. A, to obtain that portion, he had to pursue, to run, and to finish the course triumphantly. The Greek word for pursue in Philippians 3.12 is the same word as for persecute. This word also means to press forward, to follow after, In such a way, Paul ran the race to obtain the prize and reach maturity. Before he was saved, he persecuted Christ. After he was saved, he pursued Christ to such an extent that he persecuted Christ, but in a positive way. We don't formalize a certain prayer, but sometimes we have to say, Lord, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. I made this commitment to you and you're committed to me and I'm holding you to your word. Bring me through this. I really want to contact you today, Lord. I'm not accepting anything lukewarm. I want to touch you. Even if I'm like that woman with the flow of blood that no doctors could heal. If I just touch the hem of your garment, I will be enlivened. This is how we should pursue him. Nothing routine, nothing of a ritual, nothing formal. Lord, have mercy on us, vitalize us, revive us every day. Lord, I'm going to pursue you today. I'm going to gain you today. The Lord will indicate, that's right, and I'm pursuing you, and I'm going to gain you, and I'm not going to stop. And you say, okay, we agree, I'm not going to stop. Let's let's pursue this together. And you'll contact the Lord in in a genuine way that's so fresh and inspiring. It will be real to you. You will no longer be living on a borrowed revelation someone else has. You will no longer try to imitate someone else's experience. The spirit of reality is guiding you into all the reality making all of this real to you. Now the last point. We need to be conformed to Christ's death so that by any means we may attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. This is the only way for the Lord to go on in his recovery. I repeat in slightly... Restate, this is the only way for the Lord to go on in his recovery in Northern California. This is the way for all of us everywhere. The only way for the Lord to build up his church. The only way to prepare the bride. And the only way to bring the Lord back. So let me reread this. Okay, we need to be conformed to Christ's death so that by any means we may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is the only way for the Lord to go on in his recovery, the only way for the Lord to build up his church, the only way to prepare the bride. And the only way to bring the Lord back. May the Lord enlighten us. May he bless us. And may we take the only way. For the recovery to go on. For the church to be built. For the bride to be ready. And to bring the Lord back. May the Lord move in us. And supply us. That we will forget everything that's behind. Stretch forward to what's ahead and aspire to attain the out-resurrection from the dead, first in our lifetime, and then when we meet the Lord. Lord Jesus, bless us in this manner. Impart to us a seeking spirit, like we've never known before. Instead of walking, may we run the race. Instead of only seeking, may we pursue. Lord, we need you to enable us to do this. May everyone under the sound of this voice be empowered by the resurrection life of Christ. We give you the remainder of the days allotted to us. Make every day an out-resurrection day. Do this to glorify God and to shock and to shame the enemy. We declare the devil has been defeated. Death has been destroyed. Christ is victor. Praise the resurrected Christ.